0: We can't take our eyes off you we won't take our eyes off you the key Christ crucified, Hosanna, we We sing Hosanna. Hosanna. You'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. And our hope is
1: in you alone, our
2: strength in your mighty name. Good morning church, good morning, this beautiful Easter morning, happy Easter. We are going to celebrate and praise the Lord this morning, I want to invite you to stand as we worship Him. I was buried beneath my shame, I was buried beneath my shame, who could care? Of it was my too. Till I met you, and I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. lie to till I live you call my name you call my name the time I was an orphan.
0: Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Your love is the end that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open when you call my name. Because I ran out of that grave. How do you
1: stand in him complete Jesus died my soul did save. my lips shall still repeat that Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain Since insane. My own sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it quite as snow. Something to celebrate
2: this morning, church. Praise the Lord.
3: Good morning, I hate. To help us out before you sit down if you have empty seats in the middle it would be very helpful if you can kind of squeeze in because we have lots of people coming in but as you do that you may be seated so good morning happy easter they're focusing on sitting down i did it too early i did it too early. You did, you wait
2: okay here we go try it again happy easter. happy easter
4: yeah it is great to be here with you guys this morning to celebrate a risen savior we are yes. excited about what God has for us this morning. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a good morning. And so we
3: are so happy you're here. If you are new with us today, we just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. We love to meet you. And so after the service, if you go out into our foyer, we have a, a guest services out there that would love to say hi. We have a small gift for you, so that would be great. And if you call Colonial Wood, your church home, and you're wondering how you can give this morning, we have the offering boxes in the back. You text to give, you give on the app. But we are just so excited that y'all are here this morning.
4: Yeah, we love the fact that, you know, it is because of the resurrection that we actually get to have hope, amen? amen. Right, the Bible says that if, if Christ was not resurrected that we have no hope, but we know that he does live and he is alive and well and he is still ruling in this world and so we are excited this morning to lift him up in song, to lift him up as the sermon is preached and during times of prayer. And so if you would pray with me as we get, continue on with celebrating a risen savior. God, we just thank you so much for the fact that Jesus came and he lived and he died on the cross but that he didn't stay dead, that he rose from the dead, was resurrected, and it says that he is sitting on high ruling over this world. And God, we thank you for the hope that we have in a risen Savior. We thank you that the fact that you ran out of the grave means that we do not have to live in the grave any longer either. That there is hope for us in this life and there is hope for us to have eternal life. And so we thank you for all that you've done to bring us life, to bring us hope, that you meet us in our needs now, you you minister to us and you fill us with the power that we need to do what you have called us to do. God, we thank you that you um, have rescued us out of darkness. And may may your praises this morning as we lift you up, would you be honored and glorified? In Jesus' name, amen.
0: amen.
2: Thank you, Jesus. We have a living hope this morning, church. His name is Jesus Christ. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows. Thank you, Jesus, King of kings, we celebrate you this morning. Thank you for your victory on the cross and over death for those that would believe in you and put their life in you. We thank you this morning. We celebrate you this morning. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. We all prayed and celebrated this morning. Praising the Lord. Amen, church. Amen. Can we praise the Lord? Just thank him this morning. Amen. You can have a seat.
3: Good morning, church. Great to see you this morning. You're joining at home. I want to say welcome to you as well. Well, for about the last 20 Easters, I have been trying to teach everybody how to do this. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm going to say He is risen. And for 2,000 years, the response has been He is risen indeed. I'm going to try it. He is risen. risen. Oh, I like it. He He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Oh, you got me going. I'm excited. I was excited before, but anyway, we're glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to John chapter 20. If you grabbed a note sheet, most of the verses, if not all the verses will be available for you. And we've been in a series called Alternate Endings. It's how Jesus changes our story, but it's also a little bit of a what if. What if certain things had happened differently? And today, obviously the resurrection, what if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? Paul says, man, without the resurrection, there is no celebration today. We're lost in our hope. We're still in our sins. We are to be be pitied among all people. And so we want to dive into that today. About a year ago, I was, uh, I don't know, we were probably watching TV or something. Anyway, I was just kind of, I just kind of had my hand up on my head and I noticed a growth on the top of my head. And I kept feeling it. You know how it is when you find something like that. It just keep, keeps bugging you. And, and I kept touching it, kept touching it. And then I was kind of like, what in the world is that thing? And I had my wife. I said, hey, feel the top of my head. She felt it. It was like a growth on the top of my head. I'll, I'll be honest. I was about six months ago. I was getting a little nervous about it. I thought, man, I think I better go see my doctor. I, you may not know this, but I have... Uh, my hairstylist has been taking more and more of my hair every time I go in and... <laughs> So over the last couple of years, I probably have gotten a little more hair up there. And so I I was afraid I might have something going on. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, I know what that is. That was my cousin Gerald when I was five years old who hit me in the head with a croquet mallet. (laughs) Those are my first stitches. Now, I'm going to tell you, they don't care much about what looks like under your hair. I had so much hair as a kid, they thought nobody will ever be able to see this scar. And so... Gerald hit me in the head with a croquet mallet that I went in, got my first stitches. I remember I made kind of a big deal out of it and you know how they numb it and everything and that's a scar. And so I'm just going to tell you over the next few years, you're all going to see what my cousin Gerald did to me. And then I started thinking about it and as far as I know, I have five visible or somewhat visible scars. Got this one from Gerald. I've got this one here, David Weissong. David Weissong in first grade I think it was show and tell he hit me between the eyes with a uh, it was a Budweiser beer goblet that he had won at the fair and he was taking it for show and tell sorry it's a true story and uh, but I remember because Paul Michael was the bus driver and Paul Michael took me out into the snow and used the snow to stop trying to get the bleed. he was putting it on my head and trying to keep it from swelling David Weissong goblet I got a scar here. Wearing shorts and trying to jump a barbed wire fence. Ow, that didn't work. And got a scar, some stitches. Got a scar right here. It wasn't a cut, it was a burn. I was riding my, my Honda, 1971 Honda 175, and I was back and my dad had just put some sand in our new pond and he put some sand for the beach and I drove through it, I wiped out, it turned over, right onto my leg and that burn went right into my calf I've got a scar I've got a scar right there I'm just gonna I was dumb that's all that was that was trying to do something with a carpet knife that was never intended to be done with a carpet knife and and I was living in our house in in, uh, Warsaw Indiana and I went in like this I never even looked I went in and I said Tammy I think we might have to go to the doctor she said you're just kidding I go Nope. And she goes, oh, I'll get the car. I'll get the car. And uh, that's just dumb. That's just dumb right there. We've we've got scars. Any of you have scars? Any of you have a scar? Yeah. I'll bet you you have a story behind the scar. That's how scars are. Every scar has a story attached to it. It it has a story. I'm going to take you to John chapter 20. Because in John chapter 20, Jesus in his resurrection body, now I don't know how you are at Easter time, I always try to read through the gospel accounts of the of the last week of Jesus' life. I usually read through an entire gospel and then I, I read that last week. And then on the Easter week, on Easter morning, I always love to read the story of Easter morning. This morning I read the entire passage of John and... Jesus, empty tomb, Mary Magdalene, Jesus appears to her and it's incredible. And they tell Peter, they tell Peter and John, they go to the tomb, they see that it's empty. The tomb's empty. But it's interesting, Jesus didn't appear to the disciples until that evening. And here's what it says in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his scars. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord actually Thomas wasn't with him that night and Thomas said hey unless I see the scars unless I see his hands and his side he said I'm not going to believe a week later Jesus shows up again to all of them including Thomas and Thomas's response was to fall down and say you're my Lord you're my God he worshiped him and believed in Jesus Christ he has scars Jesus' scars tell a story. They speak to us. And, and I've been thinking about this for a good month, just this whole concept of the stories that Jesus' scars tell us. The first thing it tells us, it tells us of his humanity. It tells us that he really was human, he really did live, he really did die, but also that he really did raise again and it's important that all of that is true. Now what's interesting is that the book of Hebrews makes a really big deal of helping us understand that Jesus had to really be human. He couldn't just be a figment of the imagination or anything like that. And you'll notice it says in your note sheets, Hebrews chapter two verse nine It says, but we see that Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because He suffered death so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. Because Jesus was sinless, because Jesus was God in the flesh, Jesus was human, He was able to die on all of our behalf. In fact, Scripture says that God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Hebrews 2, verse 14 says this, since we have flesh and blood, he too had to share in our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. A couple verses further. It says for this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. Now, why is this important? Because because scripture says he really had to be who he was. He had to be human, that he really had to die, but it wasn't just so he could die so we could go to heaven someday, but so that he could be the perfect high priest who helps us through everything in life. But it wasn't just that. He really had to be raised to life. I'm just gonna tell you, had Jesus just stayed dead, we wouldn't be celebrating today. The fact that he's alive is important. Paul says it this way, Romans chapter 1. Again, it's in your note sheets, Romans chapter 1. It says, the good news about his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he came as a human baby, born into King David's royal family line, and then being raised from the dead, he proved to be the mighty son of God with the holy nature of God himself. In other words, because he is alive, it shows his authority, it shows he really is the the Son of God. In fact, John, just a little bit later in John chapter 21 says, I wrote these things so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in Him, you might be saved. He really is alive. He really did die. He really is alive. And it was important to see His humanity in His scars. I uh, was praying with a group of pastors about a month ago on a Thursday morning and an idea came to me. And so, when I get these ideas, I just assume it's from the Lord. Now, don't think I'm weird for thinking this, but the question I had is, if a person dies and gets cut, will they heal after they die? Because I had heard stories uh, back from the 1800s how people's fingernails will keep growing and their hair will keep growing and stuff. By the way, I found out that's not true, but I thought it was. And so, I was looking up while during prayer, because when I get on these things, I can't I can't pay attention to prayer. I thought this was a God thought, so I'm looking it up real quick. Do people heal post mortem? And believe it or not, there's nothing on the internet about it. And by the way, Google is sending me the weirdest stuff now, but anyway. <laughs> so I reached out to a doctor friend of mine. I said, Hey, doc, this is going to seem weird. Do people heal after they die if a person is cut out in the woods can't get you know no no funeral director takes care of anything like that would their cut heal he gave me a really scientific response by text nope (laughs) (laughs) he said a little more he said a little more nope healing takes inflammation and scar tissue to form Those require cells to migrate to the injured site. Living cells require oxygen. Dead people aren't breathing. And I know that sounds not very profound, but that struck me so profoundly. Dead people aren't breathing. And Jesus' scars proclaimed He was breathing. He wasn't just a figment. Of their imagination he wasn't just a ghost he really was alive the scars also tell the story of Jesus's humility his humility it's interesting what the book of Philippians says Philippians chapter 2 says your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ who being in the very nature God now get that he's in his very nature God did not consider equality with God something that he had to grasp But he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Here it is. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. In fact, I would tell you, he not only humbled himself by giving up heaven, but he allowed himself to be humiliated by a death on the cross. I don't want to focus too much on the cross today because today's the resurrection, but it's interesting the nature of the cross. The cross was invented to be the cruelest form of anti-revolutionary tactics by the Roman Empire. See, you weren't just to be put into pain They wanted you to die in shame. It was to deter people from ever questioning the Romans. And so it was painful. But it was also shameful. It was intended to be a mockery. It was intended for people to make fun. In fact, the fact that Jesus was was hung between two criminals, He he was literally, he lost his reputation. Here's the one who is absolutely without sin. He's absolutely pure, and yet he's being numbered among those who are criminals. And I don't know about you, there's, I would take a hit for a lot of people. I would take probably a bullet for a few people, but I wouldn't, there's not very many people that I want to lose my reputation for. And there was a pastor who was here on Good Friday when we joined with believers all around the community. And he said something that I had known, but when he said it, it really hit me because he was talking about how he was trying to decide that morning what he should wear to the gathering, and then he remembered that when Jesus hung on a cross, He wasn't wearing anything. I know we like to put a loincloth over our Savior on the cross to show dignity and respect, but I want to tell you that is not historically how crucifixions took place. They were hung for maximum shame. And if Jesus would take that kind of a humbling and humiliation for me, it means he'd do anything for us. His scars speak that He's wanting to come alongside and help us, His humanity. It's that He would do anything for us, His humility. But there's a third thing the scars communicate, and it's His healing. It's His healing. And I'm not talking just about the healing of Jesus Himself in His resurrected state, but it's the healing that He wants to offer for us. I have five physical, identifiable scars that I know about. But I'll be honest, i got a few others that are inside. And so do some of you. They're the things that nobody sees. They're the things that come from either hurts or wounds or betrayals or you fill in the blank. It can be from devastating relationships. It can be from your own choices, your own mistakes. I can probably identify with any number of those. Over the years, I was reflecting this morning and last night about the different individuals that I've come into contact with over the years. And I I went back 30 years as I was ministering in a little community in Warsaw, Indiana. Then I I moved ahead into Elkhart, Indiana. And then over the years that I've been here, and it's really interesting, I've got, I I tell you what, there are very few stories anymore that shock me. I've heard almost all of them and I've heard them multiple times. People who have been through abuses, some multiple abuses, some at the hands of those that they trusted the most, some who've gone through devastating failure and they lived with that sense of devastation. I think of one young man that was abandoned by his dad and carried that for years. I think of one young lady that about twenty-five uh, 23 years ago, she had started coming to our Church and I'll be honest, her and the man that she was a fiancé to, they were kind of messy. Both had been through broken marriages. Both were looking for a new start. And I remember when she came in, she was favorable toward the things of Christ, but she just couldn't accept Christ. And I remember when I talked to her, she used words like this, Pastor, I could never trust a heavenly father, I don't trust any man. In fact, she said, Pastor, I like you, but I don't trust you. And the Lord gave me a word for her that I I said, I feel like the Lord is, is telling me to say this to you. You don't have to trust Him all the way. If you just trust Him as much as you know how, and the Lord will meet you there and He'll carry you the rest of the way. And I, I watched as Deb came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I got to baptize her and her fiance. I got to, I got to do one of the most memorable weddings of my life with this couple as they said I do. They, they tracked me down after I moved up here just to keep me up to date what God was doing in their life. Which makes the words of 1 Peter so powerful. When Peter writes these words, he's actually quoting the Old Testament, but he says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, for by his wounds you've been healed. For you were all like sheep who've gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And so many quote that verse to show that Jesus wants to physically heal us. And yes, physical healing is there. But can I tell you, the deepest healing of our lives, Paul's, uh, 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 the psalmist says in Psalm 103, he, heals, he forgives all of our sins. That means a spiritual healing. And He heals all of our diseases. That means a physical healing. And it says, and He redeems our life from the pit and fills it with good things that satisfy. That is an emotional healing. And can I tell you, when Jesus heals on that level, his scars represent a healing that is so much deeper than just our our physical lives. They tell a story. His scars tell the story of his humanity and his humility and His healing. But it really tells the story of our hope. Scripture says this isn't all there is. There's a hope. God wants to, God wants to give us a future. Jesus didn't just die on a cross so we can die and go to heaven, although that would be pretty cool if that's even all it was. But, but He wants to. He, Jesus said this to Martha when, when He was speaking to her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, you come to Me. You come to me and you can start living today. There's hope. There's a future. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, Brothers, sisters, friends, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Or those are grieved like the rest of men who have no hope because we believe Jesus lived, but we also believe Jesus died and we believe Jesus rose again. And because Jesus rose again, we believe also that He's going to bring all of us who have fallen asleep in Him, who have passed away, He's going to bring all of us with Him because He lives, I live. That is the essence of the gospel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says these words. He says, this is the gospel, that Jesus died for your sins according to the Scriptures, and that He rose again on the third day. He says, now, you can call yourself a Christian all you want, but you can't be a Christian unless you believe He died for your sins and rose again. And yesterday morning, I was preparing for a funeral in this room. And something, something occurred to me that I had never thought of before. And let me finish it before you say I'm wrong. It occurred to me, nobody's life was transformed because of an empty tomb. A lot of people believe in an empty tomb. The disciples believed the tomb was empty. The Pharisees, they believed it was empty too. Pilate, he believed it was empty. Soldiers came and told him it was empty. The soldiers believed it was empty. In fact, can I just share with you, and I don't need to argue it this morning, but I'd love to meet with you if you want to talk about this. One of the most provable facts in all of history is that on the first Easter morning, the tomb was empty. I mean, that's really undeniable. How it got empty, people, they like to argue about. But whether or not the tomb was empty, that that is historically a proven fact. See, a lot of people believe the tomb's empty. But it's interesting, it was only after an encounter with the living Savior that their lives were changed. Mary's life was changed why cuz she encountered Christ. The road to Emmaus, those guys were changed because they had an encounter with Christ. The disciples, did you see what it said in that very first verse? On the first day of the week they were together and they were behind locked doors and they were afraid. Until they had an encounter with the living Savior. See, it's it's not just enough to say the tomb was empty. It's trusting in the living Savior that changes a life. That'll transform us. That brings healing and hope. His scars tell a story. I've been thinking about this message for a long time. Longer than almost any Easter message I think I've ever preached. And about two weeks ago, I was reminded of another scar and it was a scar that I actually gave my dad. I was about five or six years old. I feel like I'm telling a lot of secrets about myself this morning. And I was staying home from church with my dad because my mom had to work at the restaurant that morning. I loved it when my mom had to work on Sunday mornings at the restaurant, didn't happen very often, but I, I loved it because sometimes I'd stay at home with my dad. Don't judge me, I've gone to church a lot since then, I've kind of made up for it. My dad was in his normal attire, he was in his dress pants with a, a t-shirt on, and uh, let's just say like father like son, he, he's built very stealthy like I am, and My dad was laying on the couch reading the paper. I was laying on the other side, foot to foot, you know, with my dad. And I was looking at the comics. I don't think I was old enough to read yet. And my dad said, Phil. Actually, he said, "Philip, (laughs) Philip, go get me a cup of coffee. And uh, we only drank instant coffee at home. Folgers, I think, at that time. Moved to Sanka later on decaf you know and the way that we make coffee and I didn't realize my mom my mom makes a scalding hot cup of coffee I found out much later we're not normal like some people are and she I mean you don't just get that thing I know you can't get above boiling but it was like you get this water as hot as you can you put the Folgers into the cup and then you you put the boiling hot water into it and just keep kind of boiling into the thing and it really makes that coffee kind of uh uh, disintegrate and, and come into the water. And so I made the cup of coffee for my dad. The steam whistle was going. I put it in a white cup. It was a white kind of a, kind of a white, uh, nice cup. And I, I was bringing it into my dad like this. And I looked in there, and my dad was acting like he was asleep. So I thought, ha, <laughs> ha. And I go in, and I set the cup of coffee right on my dad's stomach. And he jerks awake and that coffee goes all the way down the front of my dad and he gets up and he's he's yelling but he's not yelling because he's mad he's yelling because of the pain and i i started laughing because i thought my dad was just goofing around And my dad goes running to the kitchen. I will never forget as I'm standing in the doorway to that old farmhouse kitchen, my dad is over the sink and he's pulling the shirt up off of him and he's taking the the sprayer and he's putting cold water down his stomach. And I realized what was going on and I started just crying. And I remember my dad looking over at me and he's spraying himself and he goes, my dad at times would yell for no reason at all. He had a reason to yell, but it's interesting. He didn't yell at me. All he kept saying was, it's okay, Philip. You didn't mean it. It's okay. It's okay. My dad was trying to comfort me while he was trying to get the, the scald off of his stomach. For the rest of my dad's life, never could grow any hair here. And I remember when my dad was failing, he was coming toward the end of his life. My dad liked to be with a shirt open and I remember he was, he was either in the hospital or he was at home, I, I don't remember where, but I just remember seeing that, seeing that red, that red scald, no hair. And I realized 36, 37 years earlier, I did that to my dad. And every time I saw my dad's stomach, it reminded me of how bad I had hurt him. But in the same moment, it reminded me of how forgiving my dad was in that moment. And there's going to be a day that I believe with all my heart, when we see Jesus, we're going to see the scars And we're going to see them and we're going to remember what we had done to hurt them. Our sins. But in that moment, Scripture says, "No no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things. In that moment, we're just going to remember the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for today. What a... What an incredible day to be together as the body of Christ. But I know that there are some that are here this morning that carry some scars, that carry some wounds, and Lord, I thank You that we can bring everything that we are, physical, emotional, seen and unseen, our past, our present, our future, Lord, we can have forgiveness of it all and You can bring healing from some of the deepest heartache in our lives. And there are probably even a few here this morning that believe in an empty tomb, but Lord, they've they've maybe never had an encounter with a risen Savior. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of like Deb, that, man, I don't trust anyone. But Lord, I really want to trust You. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to have the right... Function or form. You don't have to go through some ritual. Just simply, Jesus, I believe You're real. I believe You died for my sins. I believe You really did come to life and I want You to come into my life and change me and forgive me. And I don't even know what it means yet to follow You, but I want to follow You. Make me into the man of God, the woman of God You want me to be. Make me Your child. I pray that this Easter morning. I ask that You'd heal my past. Heal all the wounds. Help me to experience the healing that only You can bring. Thank You, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. He He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hey, stand with me. Let's sing as we go. Can we just worship Him? Let's sing and then we'll be dismissed.
2: Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared. Yeah.
3: hand today. My oh, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Hey guys, have a great Easter. God bless you as you go.